One of the things that I'm most excited about for this retreat is the guest speaker. And keep it real. And uh, this guest speaker in particular is someone that we've invited to speak at this retreat numerous times because it's just been that amazing. Um, he actually used to be a former staff uh, with Emmaus himself. In fact, when I took over about four years ago, I had maybe three other um, three other guys that were staff with me when I first started, and we changed the name from YCF to Emmaus, and it was a big deal, and the ministry itself began to change a lot as well, and he was part of that original four, uh, and really a lot of what you guys get to experience now is because of what he's personally sown in as well. And so uh, I'm really excited that he's here. I hope you guys are blessed and excited as well. Uh, for those of you at Yonsei, you already got to hear him speak. How many of you guys were there when you heard Pastor Marcus speak? How was it? Was it okay? It was all right. Man, tough crowd, tough crowd, you know, tough crowd. Um, no, but I know that you guys are going to be uh, really blessed. He's a powerful man of God. He used to be an exchange student himself. Um, if you guys know his story, uh, he's from North Carolina. Yes, one, one, we got one, one North Carolinian, <laughs> and, um, and he's been in Korea for a couple of years now, and he will be here for a while, uh, as long as I'm here, he's here, and so um, I want you guys to just give a very warm welcome to our awesome guest speaker, Pastor Marcus Corpening, let's give him a good round of applause, is using this microphone? first. How you guys doing? Man, those cardboard testimonies were powerful. Man, can we uh, possibly get like the AC on? Like, it's so hot up here. Like, I went to the bathroom. I looked in the mirror. I realized I was sweating. Like, I was about to go like you ever heard like a like a uh, a horse going to the glue shop? You never heard anything like that. A pig going to the butcher. <sighs> okay, I'm from the south. I'm from this the countryside of, of in in America, and so we have weird sayings. I'm just saying I was sweating a lot. Okay, <laughs> I I bought I had Right Guard. I had some good deodorant, but during worship, <laughs> it decided to leave me. So. I know to never use that D.O. again, but it's, it's, uh, what's well, deodorant. It's just not antiperspirant. I don't think, man, some of you are probably already kind of offended. You're like, Ooh, <laughs> like, I don't even know who this guy is. And he's talking about his sweat. This is nasty. Well, this is the scandalous love retreat, right? You guys excited? You know, I'm going to be honest. I was a little offended that they asked me to come to the scandalous love retreat. They're like, you will be perfect for this. I was like, what do you mean? I'm perfect. He's like, yes, scandalous love, you. Said, nice. No, but I'm really excited. I really believe that. I'm just going to step down here because I like to walk around. Um, I really believe that God is going to encounter you powerfully here at this retreat. And... Uh, there's something about when we do retreat and we get away from all the hustle and bustle and we cut off our cell phones, we get off of Facebook and we just devote ourselves to coming before God. 
God loves that, and he desires to encounter us when we do that. And so I really believe that tonight's going to be powerful. And, you know, I'm personally really excited for this retreat because I saw the, the promo video. If you want to talk about scandalous, you want to talk about scandal, did you see the video with the five guys with the wings on, the jacked up faces and stuff? Like, I mean, now that was their faces weren't jacked up. Because, but it was scandalous. You want me to tell you what was more scandalous for me? I was watching it and I was like, where's the black dude? You know? You got, a, you got a lot of lemon up there. No, no chocolate, no vanilla. You know what I'm saying? I got a witness in the back. I got a witness in the back. <laughs> I was watching. I was like, man, it would have been so much better if they would have just had me in it. Like, just have me in the back. I'm ready. I'm just, you know, like, just have me. But it's all good. It's all good. You know, I thinking about scandalous love, what is the first thing you think about when you think about a scandal? You know, when I think about scandalous or I think about scandals, when I was even getting ready for this retreat, the first thing I thought about was Brad Pitt. I don't know why. I was like, what is a scandal? I got to think about scandals. And the first thing I thought about was Brad Pitt. You know, Brad Pitt, he's this actor and he's really popular worldwide actor. And and there was this time where Brad Pitt was dating this wholesome woman named Jennifer Aniston. And she, they were, mar- they were married? For real? Scandalous. And, and they were, well, they were married, apparently. I got to get back up on my gossip, my People magazine. Um, but they were married. And then all of a sudden, Brad Pitt makes this movie called Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Where Angelina Jolie. And then all of a sudden, after the movie, Brad's, Brad's not with Jennifer Aniston anymore. And, he, and he's with, who is he with? Angelina. Like Angelina, she had like a tattoo that said Billy Bob. You gonna marry someone with a tattoo that says Billy Bob? Like I was like, that is scandal. That is scandalous. That's what I thought about when I thought about scandalous love. (laughs) But then I looked it up because I wanted to know what was really the meaning of scandal. What's the meaning of scandal? When we think about a scandal, when we think about something that's scandalous, what is it really about? Because you can come here and even as Pastor Aaron said, maybe some of you, when you're thinking about scandalous love, you're thinking about something else. Or maybe you're thinking about something bad, something you don't need to be thinking about. But I'll tell you the definition of scandal. Scandal is discredit or indignation. It's something bad that's brought about by a violation of morality. It's when a person, it's a damage to a reputation caused by an actual or apparent violation of morality or propriety. When a person, when you have this certain moral construct, I'm going to speak to you like college students, all right? So I'm going to use big words. You okay with that? (laughs) Big words, construct, big word, propriety, big word. 
whenever there's a set morality or there's an understanding of what things are accepted or moral, and then someone does something that's completely against that or completely opposite to that, what that is called and what that's understood to be is a scandal. That's what Webster says in dictionary.com. But, you know, in the Bible, it talks about a scandal. Actually, if you go and I'm I'm sure many of you, you would search every page. You would just flip through looking. But if you're like me and you go to BibleGateway.com or you go to Google, you type in scandal and Bible. Nothing comes up because the word scandal in English is not in the Bible. You won't find it. Scandalous love. You can type that in. You can search for it through the New Testament, Old Testament. You won't find it. In English, the word scandal is not there, but in the original language, it is. In the, in the original language, the language in, in, the, in which the New Testament was written, there was this word called scandalone. Everyone say scandalone. Yeah. It's actually the word by which we get the word scandal. It's the word by which we get the word scandalous. Hmm. Come on. I'm going to tell you, um, I like interaction. You know, this is not, this is not, you know, CGV right here. Okay. This is not, this is not GI Joe too. I know I look like the rock, but still, you know what I'm saying? Which means that as I speak, you need to be interacting. If there's something that resonates in you, you got to say, Hmm, that's good. Yeah. Come on. Mm. You know, you got to say, Amen. See, what you don't understand is that when you say amen, something happens to you. You may have grown up in the church and thought, oh, amen, that's just some religious thing that people say. Actually, when you say amen, it's an agreement that takes place. And whatever was said, it becomes deposited in you. It gets it becomes like stone. It can't be moved. Amen. There we go. There we go. All right. So the word scandalone in the Greek, everyone say scandalone. See, it's actually found in the Bible and it means a stumbling block. The word scandalone actually means stumbling block. And the picture that you can see in terms of what a stumbling block is, is imagine that I'm running a race and I can run really fast. Not because I'm black. It's because I'm athletic. (laughs) Imagine I'm running a race, right? And I'm running as hard as I can. If someone picks up a huge boulder and puts it in the middle of my path, I either have to go over it or I have to go around it. But one way or another, I have to change my path. That boulder is a stumbling block. There's another understanding of, stu- of, of this stumbling block or a scandalone. The verb form is scandalizo. Everyone say scandalizo. scandalizo. Turn to your neighbor and say, you a scandalizo. Doesn't that sound scandalous, right? <laughs> you scandalizo. <laughs> That sounds so bad. I ain't going to talk to him no more. He a scandalizo. You know, <laughs> if I hear you guys saying that afterwards, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Here's what the verb means. Scandalizo. It means to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert what they had previously believed. A scandal means that you begin to stop trusting in the things that you were trusting in before. You leave the things that you are believing in. You leave the things that you are holding on to and you begin to walk in a different path. That's a scandal. 
Actually, in the Bible, there's two places, two ways in which it refers to scandal. The first we're all familiar with, it's sin. Oh, you know, like, oh, that person, man, they, they sleeping around a lot and stuff, man, they scandalous. Mm, they scandalous. Man, that person on their 18th birthday, they got really drunk and really high and passed out. And their friends took pictures of them and put them on the Internet. And then their grand, ma- grandmama found out. And, and, <laughs> that's scandalous. I'm talking about myself, okay? Some of you are like, who is he talking about? <laughs> talking about David on. No, I'm not talking about David on. Talking about myself. Y'all saw David on. See, he flipped it. You know, we have a, a clear understanding of something that's scandalous in regards to sin. All of us, we understand that, that ooh, like, oh, that person, oh, you don't want to talk to her, man. She's scandalous. Oh, you don't want to talk to him. He's scandalous. Sin, we understand sin and, and what sin is, sin is missing the mark. Sin is where there's a standard that God has set and you're continually falling short of it. The standard to live a holy life, a righteous life, a pure life, a life that really loves others, that isn't filled with anger and lust and greed. Sin. Continually doing that. The Bible refers to that as a stumbling block. Actually, the Bible says if you cause someone else to sin, you cause someone else to stumble. If you are a person who gets in the path of other people, it's better off for you to tie a stone around your neck and jump into the sea. The Bible, it makes it so clear about this kind of scandal. But I want to tell you, there's another type of scandal. There's another way in which this word scandalone is referred to in the New Testament. Romans chapter nine, verse 33. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn there real quick, because I've got to preface this before we talk about anything else, this retreat, so that you understand what we're talking about when we say scandalous love. Romans nine, 32 to 33. Romans is after Acts. Acts is after John. John is after Luke. And Luke is in the smaller portion of the Bible. Not the big part. Romans 9, 32, 33 says, They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. That word scandal. They have stumbled over the scandal. As it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling. I am laying in Zion a scandal, a rock of offense, a scandal. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. See, there's one type of scandal that is sin. There's one type of scandal where there's a person where you're living a life that is really not up to par. That's not up to the way in which God made you. But there is another type of scandal. And that scandal is not an action. That scandal is not an event. That scandal is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. See, the scandalous love of God is not an event. It's not even a retreat. It's a person. Is Jesus. The Bible here, when it's referring to this stumbling block, this scandal, it's talking about Jesus. Because, see, when a scandal happens, you have two options. You can either run around it, you can ignore it, or you can stand upon it. 
See, when you saw people up here and they were showing you one side and they were flipping it to the other, what they were saying was that this was the scandal in my life. But I encountered a greater scandal. And that's a scandal I don't run around. That's a scandal I stand upon. That's not a stumbling block that I try to ignore and act doesn't act like it doesn't exist anymore. That is a scandal. That is the rock on whom I stand. It's my foundation. Therefore, when storms come in my life, I'm never shaken. See, that other scandal, when it comes, it tears you to pieces. Because you run around it, you don't stand upon it. This retreat, we're going to talk about three different aspects of the scandalous love of Christ. We're going to talk about his birth. His birth was one of the most scandalous events in human history. We're going to talk about his ministry. When he walked the earth, 30 to 33, that was his age when he was walking the earth doing ministry. And he did some scandalous things. He called a woman a dog. (laughs) I would not be here if I ever did that. (laughs) He told people to eat his his flesh, drink his blood. We're going to talk about that so that you're not confused. Don't think about it all night. Go to small group. Like, what did you think about the message? All I remember is the eating flesh part. So weird. And then we're going to talk about the most scandalous event, which was his death, burial, and his resurrection. But tonight we're going to talk about his birth. Everyone say incarnation. Incarnation. The incarnation. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God incarnate, meaning that he being God, he looked down from heaven and saw us. And he took on the form of humanity. He took on the form of man and he walked the earth as God. In the flesh. And the incarnation was the one of the most scandalous events in human history. The reason why the Jews killed Jesus The reason why he was persecuted, the reason why he was mocked, the reason why he was ridiculed, the reason why people continually hated him was because he walked around saying, I am the son of God. I have been born God in the flesh. Incarnate that word I told you we're college students, right? I'm going to use big words, right? Incarnate. In meaning in. That's deep, right? Mm, Get your shovels tonight. Come on. Carnate. It comes from it comes from Greek and Latin, but it means the flesh. So in the flesh, God becoming man. See, the Jews, when they heard that God had become man, when they realized that this was the claim he was making, they hated him. They persecuted him. They came against him. And ultimately, that's why they sent him to the cross. But we're going to go back. I want to tell you the events surrounding his birth because it was really, really scandalous. Turn to Luke chapter one. And if you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. If you got an iPhone and you got a Bible app, you can use that. Don't go on Facebook. God's watching. (laughs) He's looking at your newsfeed. If you don't, if you don't have your Bible, just look, look along with the person next to you. Make sure to say, hey, I'm not being creepy when I look. I'm not trying to put my head on your shoulder. I'm just trying to look. 
at the Bible. <laughs> man, you guys are, I love coming to Emmaus, man. It's so much fun. I feel like I can just say anything I want. <laughs> okay, I can't say anything I want. That, that'd be too scandalous, but you guys did say I fit. All right, so we're going to look, we're going to look at verses 26 to 38, and we're going to, we're going to just read because all of us can read. And so we're going to read through, actually, I'm going to read it and you're going to just read along. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her saying, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. It's, I mean, this is what it sounded like, people. Calm down. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, sisters, read that. How will this be? Wow, that's what Mary sounded like. How would this be since I am a virgin? (laughs) and the angel answered her the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you therefore the child to be born will be called holy the son of god and behold your relative elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren for nothing will be impossible with god and mary said behold i am the servant of the lord let it be to me according to your word And the angel departed from her. So let me give you some context. Between this moment, from this moment, and if you go about 400 years back, God, there has not been any encounters. God has not spoken. It's been silent. From Malachi to the Gospels, there's these this gap of time in which nothing has happened, where it seems like God has been silent. You ever went through a time where you feel like you can't hear God? Maybe some of you are here tonight and you feel like I've never heard God's voice. But then all of a sudden God speaks. God sends forth his angel, Gabriel, and he shows up to speak to this woman named Mary in the city Nazareth. I'll tell you about Nazareth. Nazareth was I know when we think about the birth of Jesus and we think about the nativity scenes, right? We think of like this really nice little thing with the yellow lights and, you know, you got Joseph like, and Mary like this and Jesus like this, right? Even like the donkeys looking in, the donkeys like, you know? When I was a little kid, yo, my mom, my mom had a black nativity scene. Like Joseph had like an afro and Mary had some braids. It was awesome. I loved it. You know, we, we think that like, it's like, it's all nice and clean and like, you know, all, all the pigs are in alignment. Like everyone's just like so happy, you know, like it's just so awesome. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. Actually, <coughs> Mary and Joseph were from, 
well, Mary was from a place called Nazareth. It was a city that was on the side of a hill. But Nazareth was the people from Nazareth. No one liked the people from Nazareth. Everyone from Nazareth, they thought were dirty. They thought were they thought were. Um, hmm, let's let's see, let's figure out a way to say this. <sighs> I'm not going to make another black reference. The people in other cities did not like the people from Nazareth. If you married someone from Nazareth, your parents would not be cool with it. You know, when you bring them to come eat the fruit and bow before the parents, the parents would be like, get out. You're from Nazareth. <laughs> like Nazareth. They were like, what good can come from Nazareth? Nazareth was a city that was known to be poor. It was known to be decrepit. It was known to be a city in which no one wanted to go to or be from. That's where Mary was from. And the angel of the Lord comes to Mary. Why does he come to Mary? You know, if you look, some churches and some places, they think of Mary being, you know, Mary was divine. God chose Mary. He could have chose someone else. Why did he choose Mary? Why did he choose Mary? It wasn't because Mary was praying every day. It wasn't because Mary was reading her Bible. It wasn't because Mary did anything special. Yes, it says that Mary was a virgin. But in the biblical context, Mary was probably in her late teens, early 20s. So she was probably around your age, maybe a little younger. And she was a virgin. Now, before you start judging her or judging yourself, because Mary had her B card. Because Mary's still a virgin. Scandalous love retreat. Okay, B card means that she's still a virgin. Did I cross the line? I cross the line? I didn't? Okay, we're good. All right, cool. <laughs> During that time, she was between, she was probably in her late teens, early 20s, and she was an unmarried, she was betrothed to be married, meaning she was engaged, but she was unmarried, single. So during that time, for her to be a virgin made perfect sense because she probably never left the house without her parents. Because during that time, if you were a young lady and you went outside without being married, you were probably very vulnerable. And if you weren't a virgin and you were unmarried during that time, you were probably a prostitute. Or you were a prostitute. That tells you the biblical standard in terms of purity and sex, right? Because in the Bible's, the Bible's mentality towards it was that Mary was either a virgin or she was a prostitute until she was married. That's how the Bible sees purity. Snap. Hmm. But for, so for Mary to be a virgin, that, that was actually made sense. It made sense for Mary to be a virgin. It made sense, you know, it was just normal. It was normal for Mary. Was there anything about Mary that made her stick out? No. See, the reason why God chose Mary was because God chose Mary. The reason why God chose to come and talk to Mary was not anything special about Mary. It wasn't because she had her life together. It wasn't because she did anything grandiose. It was just because God chose her. And see, many of you have come here and you think, well, God's not going to touch me or God's not going to come to me. He's not going to speak to me until I get my life in order or until I start praying different or until I start reading my Bible or until I start living different. Then God will speak to me. But see, God doesn't work like that. See, God chooses because God chooses. God comes because he comes. And because you're here today, that's that's enough. 
There's no prerequisite with God. Many times we say, oh, well, you know, I still got some issues in my life. I don't, you know, you want to pray, you want to sing the songs, but then all you're thinking about is what you did last night. When God's not thinking about last night, he's thinking about you right now. See, that's what the angel came and he spoke to Mary and he said, greetings. Greetings, oh, favored one. (laughs) You know, he had on his wings too, right? Greetings, oh, favored one. And then he says, the Lord is with you. And the crazy thing is that Mary's response, it says that Mary was greatly troubled. Mary was stressed out. Now, I, I'm, I think if an angel showed up, you know, tonight and he was like, Marcus, favored one, you know, got his wings. The Lord is with you, right? I would think that, wouldn't we? I would be like, yes. Mm, that's what I'm talking about. God is with me. But it says Mary was stressed out. Mary was troubled. She heard this happen. She realized that God was with her. And all of a sudden she starts freaking out. You want me to tell you why Mary started freaking out? It was because in the Jewish mindset, their understanding of God was that God is holy. See, before you understand the scandalous love of God, you first got to understand that God is holy. And what holiness means, holiness just doesn't mean purity. We confuse it. We think that holiness just means purity. Holiness involves purity, but it's not just purity. Holiness, the actual word just means to be different. It means to be set apart. It means to be other. In the Old Testament, God, he would always say, be holy as I am holy. But what he meant when he said he was holy was not that he was that, you know, it's so this high standard of purity or anything like that. What God was talking about when he said he was holy was he was saying, I'm so different. Actually, the opposite of holy in the Bible is not unholy. The opposite of holy in the Bible is common. See, when God says he says, I'm holy, he's saying I'm not common. I'm not like everything else that you've experienced. I'm not like everyone else that you know. I'm not like your mama. I'm not like your daddy. I'm not like any of your pastors. I'm completely different. I'm holy. I'm other. God says, yo, yo, check it out. You think you know? You have no idea. This is the diary of God. You know, he's holy. It also meant that he's fully devoted. The holiness of God actually meant that God was so in is so in love with you that he won't he won't bring anything else into the equation that could possibly mess up that love. You know, you can't have love without holiness. You know, like in in college, I remember I was dating this girl and I would tell her I loved her. Oh, we're going to get scandalous love. (laughs) I would tell her I loved her, you know, through instant messenger. (laughs) And to her face, you all judged me. (laughs) But as much as I told her I loved her, if someone else walked down the street, I was like, 
오케이. 안녕하세요. <웃음> 반갑습니다. That's mad. That's mad. Like, yeah, just, just wash your hands right now in the spirit. See, you actually can't have love without holiness. Because to say you love someone but not to be fully devoted to them is actually to say that you don't really love them. And also, but you also can't have holiness without love. Because you can't be set apart unless you're fully devoted. Unless you're fully drawn, unless everything in you is drawn. And so when God says, I'm holy, he was saying, I'm completely different and I'm completely devoted. And in the Jewish mindset, here's the thing about holiness. They didn't believe that they could come before God unless they had washed themselves clean. Unless they had, unless the priests had washed themselves and they had brought before a sacrifice. Or they didn't believe they could come before God unless they had built him a tabernacle or built him a temple where they could go to him and worship. But here in this situation, the game's done changed. See, God's flipped the script. He comes down to Mary. Mary's not taking a bath. She's not in a temple. She's not done anything. But God shows up to her and he says, you're favored and I'm with you. See, many times we think that we can't come before God or we won't experience God's presence until we get ourselves completely clean. We think that we can't experience God's presence until we build up a life that will be worthy of God. But you can never get yourself clean enough. You can never build up a temple in which that'll be good enough for God. You don't go to God. God comes to you. And that's why Mary was like, wait, what? That's why she was greatly troubled. That's why she was stressed out because all of a sudden she was realizing that God, this other, this God that's unlike anything else you've ever experienced or ever seen, this God was with her right now. Man, we ain't even started talking about Jesus yet. He says, favored one, the Lord is with you. And then all of a sudden she gets stressed out and the angel He picks up on it. He says, listen, don't be afraid. You know, for many of us, when we come in, we're filled with so much fear, aren't we? Fear that someone will know what we've done. Fear that someone will see what's really going on on the inside. Fear. Fear that, you know, we know that God sees all things. So there's fear. But he said, don't be afraid. He said, don't be afraid because you found favor with God. Meaning, That God is here whether you like it or not. God's here tonight whether you like it or not. And he speaks to her and he tells her, he tells her that this child that she has in her womb is going, it's Jesus. That it's the Messiah. That this child inside of her is going to, that the Holy Spirit's going to come over her and that there's going to be salvation released through her wow isn't that awesome but there's a problem because mary's not married she ain't even and it says she hasn't known a man meaning that she has not had sex with her husband they have not consummated the marriage now you you can imagine Mary, 
all of a sudden finds out she's going to be pregnant and she's not married and the baby's not Joseph's. It's God's. Jerry Springer ain't got nothing on God. Jersey Shore ain't got nothing on God. Your scandals have nothing on God. God shows up and he was like, listen, Mary, you're going to be pregnant and it ain't Joseph's. Now, Mary, now you can imagine Mary, all of a sudden she starts showing and Joseph's like, wait, wait. I didn't do that. That ain't me. Okay, Mary, we, we got to talk. Mary, we got to talk. Listen, listen. It's, it's God's. It's, it's, it's God's. It's the Holy Spirit. Really, Mary? Like, do, do I look like I've been born yesterday? I want you to understand the consequences of this. You know, we laugh about it. But for Mary during that time, for her to step outside being pregnant without being married was adultery. And the punishment for adultery was that they drag her out into the city square and stone her to death. Scandalous. See, Mary freaks out. See, Mary freaks out and and all of a sudden, but even though she realizes all of this, she says, you know what? Let it be done to me. Let it be done to me, God, according to your will. Meaning that she understood that when God touches you, when Jesus comes through, when his love comes through, it's greater than any fear. You know, God's not intimidated by your fear. God's not intimidated by your doubts. He just wants you to bring your doubts and fears before him and not before man. See, Mary didn't take her doubts to Joseph. She didn't come to Joseph like, listen, Joseph. Joseph, I got this baby. I'm really scared. I don't know what to do. She took her doubts before God. She took her fears before God. Too many of us are really good at taking our fears to the person next to us. Too many of us, too many of us are too busy telling our fears and our doubts to ourselves, but never telling our fears and doubts to God. But when God wants to touch you, when God's presence comes, when he wants to encounter you, he wants you to be open to bring it all out before him. Mary brings the baby to full term. And they have to go to Bethlehem. They have to go to Bethlehem and and because they need to register during that time, it says in Luke chapter two. And they go they go to the inn because they're they're needing to have this baby. I'm guessing, you know, Mary's like, you know, <laughs> I need to have this baby. And they're running around. And the crazy thing is that they go to the inn. But there's no room for them. They go to the inn, but there's, so there's no room for them. And so instead they tell them, listen, you need to go outside. This pregnant lady is about to give birth. And they tell her to go outside and be in on the outside of the inn, in the barn. 
once again, you're thinking of that, that perfect nativity scene that's so nice and clean and Joseph like, and Mary like, and the angels like, you know. It wasn't like that. In fact, it was dirty. There were animals all over the place. There's probably poo everywhere. And they're starting to step over to have this baby. And then it says that when they had the baby, when they had Jesus, they wrapped him in swaddling cloths. Everyone say swaddling cloths. This may not mean anything to you, but what these cloths were is that they had two purposes. One of the purposes for swaddling cloths was to wrap babies in. But the initial purpose, why they initially started having these cloths was because when they would take journeys, when people died along the way, they needed to wrap them. And so swaddling cloths actually were cloths that they used to wrap dead people in. But in this moment, they take the clothes that are meant for a dead person and they wrap the baby Jesus into it. Then they take this baby and it says they sit him in a manger. I know many of us think that the manger is like a crib, right? You know, it's got the little spinning thing over it. So Jesus can just play with the airplanes. No, actually, it was outside in a barn in an inn. The manger was actually the feeding trough. The manger was filled with the sloth where pigs and where other animals would come and eat. It was probably filled with not just the pig's food, but probably their saliva. It was probably really nasty. And that's where they sit Jesus. See, many of us come into this place and we're wrapped in a lot of dead works. When I became a Christian, I didn't do anything to deserve it. I was in a promiscuous relationship where I was sleeping around. I was getting drunk all the time. All my works were dead. Everything that I was using to clothe myself was dead. But God still chose to birth Jesus in me. Not just that, but even the place that I was in was. The place where I was being fed was nasty. The place that I was looking to for my provision and for my. Sustenance. It was the stuff meant for pigs. And yet God still chose to birth Jesus there. Tonight, what I want you to get more than anything else is that God desires to touch you. And that the scandal of his scandalous love is not that it's not that you have to do anything perfect or you have to have it all together. His scandalous love is that despite your imperfection, despite whatever dead things you're wrapping yourself in, despite whatever slop you may be eating in, despite whatever you do, God still breaks in. I want to talk about one more person. I talked a lot about Mary. I want to talk about Joseph. In Matthew, I talked about Mary's fear. I want to talk to you about Joseph. In Matthew chapter one, it says that when Joseph found out, it says Joseph being a righteous man. He desired to put her away privately. He desired to divorce her. I mean, imagine that the woman that you're about to marry is comes in saying she's three months pregnant. 
what Joseph decides, it says that Joseph's righteous. Joseph has this standard that everyone knows about him. Everyone knows him to be a righteous man. So he says, I'm going to take this woman that's going to be my wife. And I don't really care that Jesus is being birthed through her. I'm just going to divorce her and ignore her and put her away. For some of us, what, what stops us is our fear. For some of us, our scandal is fear. Our stumbling block is fear. But for some of us, our scandal is pride. For some of us, our scandal is what people think about us and what we think about ourselves. And so when God seeks to move in our lives, we, even as you're thinking right now about God breaking into your life, I know some of you are thinking, let, let me just put it away quietly. At least, you know, you can touch the other person next to me in a crazy way, but me, you know, at least keep it quiet. That's not how I am. But see, the angel actually comes to Joseph. He breaks into Mary and he says, Mary, he, he comes in, he speaks to Mary and he says, Mary, here's the cure to your fear. God has favored you. God has put grace over you and the seed that you're carrying. What's going to come from what's inside of you is going to be greater than anything you've ever seen before. See, when we have fear, God comes before us and he says, don't be afraid. It's not by your works. It's not by your might. When we have fear, God comes and he says, listen, I'm going to do something in you beyond what you can ever imagine. So just believe. But when we have pride, the angel came to Joseph and he said, listen, this child will be birthed and his name will be Emmanuel. Actually, the thing that breaks pride the most is just the presence of God. The thing that breaks pride the most is when God shows up. And we realize that God is with us. Even despite what we would see to be a mistake that we want to just hide away. Tonight, God is here. Tonight, God wants to touch you. See, the scandal of the incarnation is just simply that Jesus that God, being a holy God, decides to be with a people who don't deserve it. The scandal of the incarnation is that God decides to be with us despite our fear and despite our pride. And he desires to touch us with his presence. That's the scandalous love. I want us to pray right now. And we're going to pray. It's funny, but we already prayed it. And uh, I had no idea that Pastor Aaron was going to lead this, but we were praying that simple prayer. God, just make yourself real to me. Make yourself real to me. At this retreat. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And I want you to pray and we're going to begin to pray for God's presence to come. Some of you are like are like Mary in the fact that you've never heard God's voice before. That it's just felt your life has felt like a lifelong 
journey of silence. No guiding voice, nothing that's speaking to your heart, nothing that's letting you know that you're not alone. And so you felt alone. And even this whole prospect of God coming in, it actually makes you feel a lot of fear. Because you don't think you deserve it. Why would God, why would God touch me? God, do you know the things that I've done? God, do you know the things that I've done even recently? God, do you know the thoughts that I have? The things I struggle with? Then there's some of you that, where really your biggest struggle is just a lot of pride. You know that God wants to touch you, but you're not so sure that you want it. And so you're just trying to ignore it for as long as possible. But the thing about this scandal, this stumbling block, is that it's right in your face. You can't keep ignoring it your whole life. God is real. He's real and he desires to make himself real to you. So right now, there's, there's some of you that have, you've just never felt like God's with you. You never felt his presence. You never heard his voice. And this whole thing about God has just felt like a concept. His love has just felt like a concept. You, you know, A, B, C, you need to believe to be saved. But it's just felt like a concept. But if you want to experience God and experience his real presence, I want you to just, I want you to stand up. Just stand up right where you are. Maybe you've struggled with a lot of fear. A lot of shame even coming in tonight. And it's just felt hard to feel anything. Hard to sense anything. I just want you to stand up. God's going to touch you. us all to begin to pray and if you're standing I want you to start praying that prayer and everyone in this room whether you're seated or standing I want you to pray God make your presence known in this place right now God make your presence known in this place God make yourself real in this place and and staff and leaders I want you to go around to the people that are standing and just lay a hand on them And they're just going to pray with you if you're standing. They're just going to pray with you. And God's going to begin to show up. And he's going to begin to touch you. And you're going to begin to hear his voice for the very first time. You're going to begin to sense his presence, his nearness. One of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. God is with us. It means he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you.
Yeah, all right, everyone, right now, let's just begin to pray. Let's press in and let's cry out for God's presence to come in this place, for him to make himself real in this place.